Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week and Happy New Year to you. This is the beginning of a new year and I believe as we shared in several of our last segments that Nehemiah, during the time of his uh, ride into the city of Jerusalem to see the condition of the city during its time of Babylonian captivity in the beginning of a Reformation. He went to the Dragon Well, he went to the Dung Port, but then he turned the corner and went to the Fountain Gate. I am believing God, and I'm asking you to believe God with me, that we have turned the corner from the Dragon Well and from the Dung Gate and from all the mess and the stink of the former year into a better day and a day full of hope. We've been doing this series on Nehemiah and Ezra, Haggai, Zechariah, the books of restoration, and we are calling it Roadmap to Reformation because I, as I've dug around in this, I cannot seem to exhaust this subject of how important and powerful it is to me. And as we study the 12 gates of Nehemiah, and we compare the 12 gates of Nehemiah to the 12 gates of the city of Revelation chapter 21, that the city that God is restoring and the temple that He is restoring is not a place, it's a people. And we have, I think, pretty exhaustively shown you that in prior segments. And if you have missed any of them, uh, I encourage you to go back to uh, the uh, archived volumes we have on this on YouTube. You can go back to our YouTube channel and watch these on demand. You can also uh, get the audio portions of this from our uh, podcast and uh, on iTunes. You can also get the RSS feed for your Android device by simply going to our website and hitting uh, the link in the upper right-hand corner of the icon that will take you to our YouTube channel, uh, to our podcast, and to the RSS feed. I believe that this series may be one of the most important pieces of work I've done for a while because it really is giving me particularly uh, direction, and I believe uh, should be many people direction to where I believe we're headed. I believe we're headed for Reformation. I believe we're headed for restoration. I believe we've turned the corner, and I think that, you know, as we let go of the year 2020, we start to realize that, you know, one of the things that we declared at the beginning of 2020, that it would be a year of God refocusing our vision. Sometimes I think when we speak prophetically like that, we don't have a full understanding of what God is saying, but to me, my vision has become much more clear and much more focused on what God is saying to me from the heavens and giving me at least direction on how to continue to be part of a leader, uh, a leadership of reformation that's bringing about a restoration to the church. I do not believe it's time for demise. I believe it's time that we do what Nehemiah and Ezra said in the midst of Babylonian captivity is arise and let us build We've covered that quite a bit. Let's build the local church. Let's build families. Let's build each other up. Let's build bridges 
for racial reconciliation. Let's build uh, and equip people to be able to bring about cultural change and uh, uh, even the, 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 the much-needed reformation in the church. I believe it's time that we begin to take another look at the Word of God. I think one of our biggest mistakes is that we're trying to read an ancient book through a 21st century lens, and we don't realize the context, nor the backdrop, nor the story that's being told here. But to me, the powerful picture of these books of restoration are dealing with a removal from Babylon. Now, we showed you weeks ago that from the book of Revelation, Babylon is a picture of old covenant harlot Israel, and God was about to uh, 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 bring about a new covenant, and with that would come a new bride and a new people and a new city and a new temple. We see that in Revelation chapter 19 through 22, upon the demise and fall of Babylon the harlot, he says, Hallelujah, now has come salvation and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. And I believe the captivity that God is desiring to bring us away from in this hour is not only a bondage to sin, and certainly God is desirous to bring us into freedom from any kind of bondage of sin. But as we look at this, and the more I look into this, the more I see it as a redemption from the bondage of religion under Babylonian captivity. Now let me just say that, um, you know, uh, when, I, when I talk about religion, I'm not talking about true spirituality. I'm talking about a move from an old covenant paradigm to a new covenant paradigm. We, we showed you so many things from the book of Zechariah and from the books of Haggai, how these times of restoration and reformation were connected to the introduction of the new covenant, especially through the books of Zechariah, where he said, Behold, your king comes to you, riding upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And we see Jesus fulfill that. We see in that another place where he talks about the man whose name is called the branch will come on the scene. We know that Jesus is the man whose name is called the branch. We find another place where the great mountain that was before Zerubbabel would be removed by shouting grace, grace to it. And then we see that he speaks to them about returning to him as prisoners of hope, and he starts to declare some things concerning the new covenant. He sp speaks in another place and said, What is the price that you will give me to buy me out of the covenant? And he, they weighed out for him 30 pieces of silver, which was fulfilled in Christ when Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So we showed you the connections to this great time of Reformation. It's impossible to gather all of that information into a 30-minute segment on one television program. So you need to go back and watch some of these other programs to get, grasp the fullness of what I'm sharing with you. But today we're going to move a little bit further because I think last week we dealt with how Nehemiah had turned the corner, came to the fountain gate, but we're going to come then to Nehemiah, the third chapter, and we're going to see the progression of the walls that were rebuilt and show you how they continue to signify an ongoing reformation that is really trying to bring us into what my purpose is and my focus in this study 
And it could be inexhaustible. I'm not saying what I'm teaching on it is all there could be said. This is just the revelation that God is giving to me at this season. And I believe it's a word from the Lord for especially leaders and people who have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and that have a message of hope and that are prisoners of hope, as Zechariah declared. People who have a mind to work and those who refuse to fall under the victim of what Ezra called the propaganda machine that tried to stop and halt the work of God. Now, I want you to see that all of this was built during troublesome time, and all of these things were happening during the time of Babylonian captivity. A lot of upheaval is taking place. But as Nehemiah turns the corner from the dragon well and from the dung gate, and we showed you how the dragon well spoke of where the place where the head of a dragon was cut off, and of course we know that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. We talked about the dung gate, which was where all the refuse and all of the dung, if I can say it like this, where all the crap was at. And what happened was he turned, if you look at a map of the ancient city of Jerusalem when Nehemiah was rebuilding this, there is a stark corner right there where he turns. And in chapter 1 and chapter 2, he turns a corner and he comes to the gate of the fountain, and we covered that in the last four segments. I believe we've turned the corner. <clears throat> I believe we've turned the corner uh, in all, all the stuff that's going on in our world today, but I believe even as a church in the body of Christ, it's time to turn the corner and put our focus on the gate of the fountain. Now I want to read from Nehemiah chapter 3 because I want to talk about the sheep gate for the next couple of weeks. In verse number 1 it said, Then Eliashib the high priest, this is Nehemiah the third chapter, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren the priest and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built, also, uh, they built as far as the tower of, of the hundred, <coughs> excuse me, and then consecrated it. I want you to note it was consecrated. Then as far as the tower of Hananiel, next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built, next to them Zachar, the son of Emery built, also the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. We won't get to the fish gate today, but we're going to talk a great deal about the sheep gate. Now I think first of all what we want to do is we want to note uh, the names, what these names mean. I, I, as I've looked into this, I just it's inexhaustible study. But I, you know, when I was talking back some time about the gate of the valley, I was talking about how at the gate of the valley, uh, they uh, that, there was one by the name of uh, I believe it was Hanani or something Hanani that built that. His name means grace. It is grace that is building that section. It is grace that's we find grace in the valley. Now, I'm not going to get, go back to the valley gate. I want to just deal with this, this, this uh, today on the program. Eliashib was the high priest, and he rose up with his brethren, the, high, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They sanctified Eliashib's name means whom God restores, whom God leads back again. It means God will restore them. God is the requiter. God has restored. This man was the high priest during the time of Nehemiah, and it is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, who came to restore and lead us back to the Father. 
The idea of the sheep gate is the return and restoration of God's people through the only way into the sheepfold, and that is through the gate. Now, I want us to take that in, in for, for a moment and take a look at uh, John 10 in just a moment. But let me finish talking about a few things here in my notes. In John 10, he talks about being the sheep goat. Uh, I'm sorry, the sheep gate. And uh, let me just, uh, let me just uh, say that uh, every time that Jesus comes into the city um, up until his triumphal entry, I believe it was, he always entered through the sheep gate. This was the only gate that was consecrated or set apart as holy. As it was used, this gate was used for the bringing in of the sacrifices for the temple. Thousands of years later, when Jesus was on earth, He always entered Jerusalem via the Sheep Gate, except for the triumphal infantry. The Sheep Gate also led to Golgotha, the path that Jesus took to His, uh, to his crucifixion. Now let me, just, uh, let me go over here and take you to John 10. And we've covered John 10 some in other series, but I want to look at it again uh, today in light of the Sheep Gate, because this is what he's talking about here. And uh, I would say to you, while I'm turning there in John 10, I would encourage you that I have wrote a new book this year called The Great I Am. And in this book, The Great I Am, I have a whole entire chapter dedicated to I am the door and I am the true shepherd of the sheep. These are the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. And every time He says, I am, it was always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. In other words, you thought the way into the sheepfold was through the performance-based uh, of, 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 of the Mosaic law, but that's not the way into the sheepfold. Jesus began to say to them, I am the way. You need to get this book today. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it by going to our website. You can get it by calling the number on the screen. I highly recommend that you get this book today. I believe this book will be a blessing to you. We've put so many things in print that I think should bless the body of Christ, and we're making them available to you. It is also available via a, a download for your ebook. Now I'm going to read this from John 10 because Jesus says, John 10, most assuredly I say to you, he that does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some of the way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leaves them out. And when he brings his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will be by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say unto you, I am the doer of the sheep. In other words, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Uh, the reality of it is, is that He is the only way into the sheepfold. He's the only way into the Father. 
There are not many paths. There are not a bunch of ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Jesus said again to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling, he who is not the shepherd one, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. Now I want to stop for a moment, and first thing I want to say to you, of course, that is that it's very clear to me that as we are on this path, we're talking about roadmap to reformation. We must keep our focus on the centrality of Jesus Christ and His redemptive work as the true Lamb of God. I have a lot to say about this gate, and we're going to do it over the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned on it. But what I want you to see is He begins to talk to them and says that, I say to you that uh, He that does not enter the, the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, watch this, the same is a thief and a robber. He tells them on down in here that all that ever came before me are, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So all that ever came before him are thieves and robbers. Now what I want you to see here is the contrast to this just in verses above this He's talking about, in, especially in the Gospel of John, Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And then he comes down and he talks about it in another place, just very, not maybe a chapter or two before this in some of the Gospels. Maybe just even, uh, maybe the chapter before this. He says to them, scribe to enter in at the straight gate. For straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, not heaven, life. And few there be that find it. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. And all my life I have heard the straight and narrow preached as performance Christianity that I, Brother Howes, I need to get back on the straight and narrow. And to them, that means they need to get their act together. Well, the problem is, if you get your act together, it's just an act. And what we say by that, what we mean by that, is we're trying to get people back under a performance-based Christian, or performance-based uh, entrance into. We think what the, and the contrast here. Let me put it this way: the contrast of the straight and narrow. Most people think the straight and narrow is the rules of the old covenant. Let me tell you that the Old Covenant was not the way to life. The end of the commandment was not life, it was death. Paul says in Romans 7, I was alive once, but when the commandment came, it stirred up in him all manner of concupiscence, and it, it slew him. In other words, it's called the law of sin and death because the end of the law does not produce life, it produces death. 
It's called the law of sin and death. The curse of the law was death. And the re redemption from that is to give us the life and the abundant life. And so the contrast here and the straight gate that they were not finding in the first century, he's talking, remember the audience here again, he's talking to Jews and he's saying to them, strive to enter into the straight gate. Well, let me just tell you, the real gate that we're talking about is found here in the very you know, next few scriptures. Jesus says, I am the door. I'm, I'm the gate. I'm the sheep gate. And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. See, any time you think there's some other way into the sheepfold than through the door, which is Jesus Christ and His finished work and His grace and His mercy and the blood of this spotless lamb where they would bring the sheep to the sheep market to slay and to kill for the sins of the people, if you think there's another way in, it's going to rob you of life. The, the powerful thing that makes me so passionate about preaching this gospel that I preach is that the gospel, the real gospel will give you back your life, not just a ticket to heaven. See, he didn't say, I, it, uh, that, uh, I came to give you a ticket to heaven after you've lived in 70 or 80 years of min misery here on the earth. He said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. So he came to give us back the abundant life. And what I'm talking about is a roadmap to restoration and reformation because the only way into this sheepfold is through the door, which is Jesus Christ and all that ever came before him were thieves and robbers. And so on our path to restoration, we're going to have to look away from Moses and get off of that Broadway that ultimately led them to destruction. Because that city of Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. And, and, and literally, not only that, but they've been living in hundreds of years of ebb and flow of finding that the end of the law is, here's the end of the law, Romans 3, there's none righteous, no, not even one. So the way into life does not come through the door of Moses. The way into life comes through the door, which is Jesus Christ. And if you think that there's another way, it's going to rob you, it's going to steal from you, and it's going to take your life. What we do in John 10, and I, I know this is going to cut against the grain for a lot of people, but John 10 does not mention the devil. Everywhere I've ever been is they always preach John 10, the thief cometh not before to kill, steal, and to destroy. And somehow we read the devil into that 10th verse, and the devil is never mentioned in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, the thief of John 10 is not the devil. The thief of John 10 is when you think there's some other way into the sheepfold than through the door. Listen, this includes everyone. I don't care how broken, we're going to get into some of this because he goes down, you know, when David began to take the stronghold of Zion, they said to him, I believe it was in 2 Samuel chapter 5, that they said David could not come and take the stronghold of Zion unless he removed the halt, the lame, and the blind. And so, who, you know, and the reality of it is Jesus is a picture of the greater son of David, and when he comes on the scene, he doesn't destroy the halt, the lame, and the blind, he heals the halt, the lame, and the blind. And we will see that this also leads to the pool of Bethesda where there was a man who was crippled from, uh, uh, for 38 years and receives a healing. And we'll get to that in another segment. 
But what I'm, I want to put the emphasis on is that Jesus is the way. He is the gate. He is the door. You know, I think even in the city of Revelation 21, where we're make a con, making a comparison, all of these gates are of one several pearl. And a pearl comes because a grain of sand gets into an oyster and it suffers and excretes this uh, substance that ultimately creates a pearl. Let me tell you, it was through the suffering of Jesus Christ and the pearl of great price that was hid in the field that we, through the suffering of Jesus, could enter in through this door into the sheepfold and go in and out and find life. Jesus said all that ever came before me, but the sheep did not hear them. I'll take another powerful picture of this. I heard my pastor say this back some time ago, is that when they would take the sheep and they would be out into the fields and or they would bring them in, they would build like a corral, and they would put them inside of this fenced-in area, and the shepherd himself would literally lay down in front of that opening of that gate so that he could keep the wolves and the enemies of the sheep out of the sheepfold. I've got some good news for you. Jesus is the door. And, he, and let me tell you, there ain't nothing going into the sheepfold unless it goes through Him. Today I want to encourage somebody that, to just let your faith grab hold of that. Jesus is the true shepherd of the sheep, and He is the gate and the door into the sheepfold. And I want you to know He's looking at the enemies and is saying, you're not getting to my sheep over my dead body. I'm going to guard them. I'm going to keep them. I'm going to protect them. I am going to be the covering for them. I want you to know Jesus is the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. I want you to know Jesus prepares something for you right in the presence of your enemies, and He's got you protected and covered. It's just like the blood put on the doorpost of the houses in Egypt. God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And I want you to know the blood still has something to say. I believe we've turned the corner. I believe there's a restoration of this sheep gate. And I believe that Jesus is laying in front of the door and saying, listen, if you're going to get to them, you've got to come through me first. And I thank God for a protector and a Savior like that. I thank God that there's a gate that we enter into. I don't know about you, but if you don't know the Lord today, it's time to enter the sheep gate. It's time to receive the forgiveness of sin that Jesus has already provided for you. We are about ready to run out of time, and I want you to come back and join us again because we're going to continue to develop this. Uh, we do need your help. As this, you know, as this new year begins, we have had very slow travel last year, and half of our income comes through travel. And so your partnership and help to help us to stay on the air is vital. We have had to drop one network, and we are only on one right now. And if you're seeing this, it's probably because this is the one we remained on. So we do need your support to stay on the air. And so don't, don't wait for someone else to do it. You can write. You can call the number on the screen. You can go to my website, give via credit card or PayPal. But do something today. God bless you.
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.